welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for All-Star Season 8, Episode 7, titled Forensic Queens. Forensic? Forensic? I don't know what I'm saying. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one a criminal co-host from the podcast Pod is my co-pilot. Please say... I'm a professional. Yeah. I'm a professional. <laughs> to Mr. Taylor, the Latte Boy. Hello, Taylor. Hey, Joe. How are you? We had a little bit of a technical snafu earlier. Did you hear that, Taylor? Did you hear the clip this time? I did. Did you predict? And I am a professional. Did you predict that clip? I did not. Oh, because I, I when not. I picked, I'm like, this is really on the nose. He'll pick this one. I really thought you would. And I thought for sure you were going to say an eloquent co-host. Oh, that would have been a good one. I couldn't think of something, but I didn't. Oh, that would have been a good. Let's one. start it over. Take start three. Yeah, take the whole show <laughs> over again. Um, by the way, I haven't mentioned this in a while. You know, we have this thing called Patreon. And I want to say specifically, and you, if you were in the This Joe Batanz tier, you got so much content this week. Uh, they got, oh my God, they, like every episode, you know, that's my personal journal podcast. But there were so many things that happened between my visit to the first official Disney Gay Pride event to um, having to watch my nieces to uh, seeing an old comedian that I, when I was 12, used to annoy me. It was a whole thing. So you heard all about that. On the, it's the whole thing. You just heard about it in this Joe Batanz. And yeah, you can get that over at Patreon. But patreon.com slash Afterthought Media. You guys are missing out this week. The girls are girling. Alexis Michelle cries. Kahana tries to quit. And RuPaul takes the girls to church. For the maxi challenge, the girls improv their way through a, a true crime acting challenge. And on the runway, the category is... Miss Fill in the Blank. On the main stage, Lala Ree is named the top all-star of the week, while Kahana Montrese and Alexis Michelle are placed in the bottom two. Later, Lala Ree goes up against Georges. What season is she? Season 14? Yes. In a lip sync? Uh, season 13. I don't know. Is it season 13? I don't know. What, she's what was the, la the last season was season 14, right? The last one was season 15. Oh, then it was season 14. Oh, in a lip sync battle for their legacies. In the end, La La Ree won the lot. Oh, okay. Here, I kind of phonetically spelled out. In the end, La La Ree won the lottery and the chance to send one of the girls home. When the lipstick was revealed, Kahana Montrese was sent home packing. Taylor the Latte Boy, share your thoughts about that lip sync between Georges and La La Ree. And did also, did, she, did La La Ree send the right person home? What are your thoughts here? I would say I was excited for La La Ree to actually be the winner. One, because it was somebody different, but also I figured we were going to get a good lip sync. Mm -hmm. When the curtain went up and it was Georges, I got really excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. It was probably the best lip sync of the season, but it wasn't necessarily an unforgettable lip sync. Um, I do, I'm surprised that they said Lala won just because of how often they were showing Georges. Usually they show the one, they kind of want to lead you to see, who, who, think who the winner is. But the one thing that I think was different between the two of them was Lala seemed joyous while she was performing, whereas Georges just sort of seemed like she was just doing all of her moves that she normally does, you she know, other than the ghost punch. Out of it. She seemed yeah. like 
she was like there by like she was forced to be there and that she was like kidnapped or something like like she was breaking <laughs> yeah. in morse code to us i don't know what was going on <laughs> it and, wasn't yeah go ahead great yeah she 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 wasn't what i expected it to be when they were when they were performing and did the right person go home um i think there is an argument to be made that alexis could have gone home this week just because I think she is the stronger competitor and she was super annoying. (laughs) So that could have been that they would send a room for that, but it was time for Kahana. Kahana obviously did much better this season than she did in her previous season. She is shown to be, you know, to have, have improved. Mm -hmm. She got her, she got her whole storyline within one episode. Yeah. You know, of where she was struggling. She almost quit and then she ended up doing really well, but she still was the one who went home. It was time. So yeah, I would say it's it's let's let's focus on some other people now. Uh, as far as the, as the lip sync goes for me, I already shared that I thought you know Georges looked like she was held hostage. I you know I forgot how tiny she is. She was so little next to Lala Ree that mm-hmm. I it, it, who's a big girl who's a big girl that it looked yeah. like it was that force perspective like they used on like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Like I was like, is is Georgia standing really far? like? Is she where the girls stand when the girl when, the, when they're gonna send somebody home? But they were standing right next to each other. But she looked <laughs> like she was so little that she was like standing far away. And it's like those museums when you go to the museum and it's the room where it has the weird perspective of where when the people cross each other, then one gets bigger and one gets smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what it looked like because she she was so tiny. She was so tiny. I hate mm-hmm. bringing things back to this Tears of the Kingdom, but, you know, this Link is really <clears throat> tiny. And you'll see him, mm-hmm. when you're just seeing him running around Hyrule, he doesn't seem that little. But then you, he's next to normal Hylians, and you're like, oh, he's a tiny person. Thank you. Elf. He identifies as an elf. Not the alien from the NBC sitcom. No, not Alf. Elf. <laughs> half, half of the people that listen to the show won't get that reference. All right. Um, and also, by the way, 100% the right person went home. I've been wanting Kahana to go home for weeks. I will say this, though. As hard as I've been on Kahana, she gave a very graceful exit. And I thought she gave a great exit. And uh, I'm go, go Kahana on that. Yeah. All right. After James's elimination, Candy celebrates her win while the girls admire Jessica's teeth. Later, the queens count the votes against James. And it's unanimous against James. The next day, RuPaul enters the workroom to announce this week's maxi challenge. The queens will portray established characters, but improv their lines in a true crime send-up centered around the season five joke doll named Lil Poundcake. In the workroom, the queens read the character descriptions and announce their casting wishes. When Alexis and Lala want the same role, Alexis acquiesces and asks Candy if she would reconsider giving up her own role. Candy refuses, and Alexis backs down and takes a role she didn't want. After giving up the role, Alexis breaks down in tears, and the girls comfort her. Well, all the girls except Candy, who, tired of the drama, stormed off. Alexis left the workroom to take a moment, and the girls got back to work. All right, Taylor, a lot to break down. We'll take this in little pieces. First, let's talk about everything that happened after James's elimination. Did you have any big notes there? Um... The one note that I had was Candy saying that she's now a contender for the crown because she has one win, which I'm like, so you're basically saying you're on the same level as Kahana. 
at this point. Other than that you don't have any elimination. You don't have any uh, bottom twos yet. That was Candy's but first win? That was Candy's first win. It's oh. been Kahana, Jimbo, and... Uh, uh, who was the other one? The one that Jessica that just won, Jessica. Yeah. Hmm. So I mean, it's really a lot of them haven't won mm-hmm. at all. Hmm. Interesting. Let me say this: they talk, they do the voting, right? And we still mm-hmm. never found out why everyone voted for James. They're just like, oh, well, that's just a thing that happened that we all voted for James, and we're. I'm like, okay, we still don't know why. Why did you vote for James? Why did everyone vote for James when clearly there's this track record thing and James had a better track? They tried to like do well, you know, Kahana did have a win or something like that, but like there was no explanation why. I feel like, and we'll talk about this later, there is shit going on with this season that we are not privy to. So I'm wondering if stuff went down with James that was it because even lala says at her point she goes you know i don't go by track record i just go with when i want to send a bitch home yeah, and i respect and she that. voted for james too yeah i respect that i respect that yeah um so heidi did make like a tiktok or some sort of video promoting her own patreon where she was basically saying that um even though she wasn't there that um you know she's heard or she guesses that you know, on the first episode, and we didn't really see this, James kept threatening to quit and was over it. And he was placed very highly, even though he didn't know the steps and didn't know the words. And that the girls always sort of resented him for that. They were sort of waiting James to be in, for James to be in the bottom. That they never really... Okay. That James never... Not well, he should apologize, but like, there was like, this weird behavior that happened episode one that was never sort of accounted for. And that's sort of where that vote came from. Now, let's go to everything that happens in the work. You know, RuPaul announces the maxi challenge. Kahana is visibly upset that yes. they're having an acting challenge. And then they go to the workroom. And Kahana actually talks about... Um, oh, no, let's talk about the next... Okay, wait. Yeah, yeah. She, so in the workroom, she talks about the acting challenge and how she's mad that there's an acting challenge and blah, 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 blah. Did you have any... Say, do you have anything to say about that? About Kahana and the acting challenges? Too many? Are there too many acting challenges? What about Kahana's reaction? Anything like that? Kahana's reaction felt very genuine to me, and felt you could you could see her in her head. Mm-hmm. You know, so often we hear about that with with girls, and they try to put on a front or anything. But this was, I mean, just shy of like abject terror, where she knew how badly she had done in previous. In previous acting challenges, that's her downfall. She's already been in the bottom three times. So this just felt probably, I'm assuming, I'm not in her head, but mm-hmm. this just felt like, okay, it's my week to go home and I'm really, this really sucks. It does feel like, uh, look, I, I'll, I'll give Kahana this. There are a lot of acting challenges, which, and especially this is a good one that's typical of this, that when whenever the season does a lot of acting challenges, you're like, oh, they're lazy. They're be not lazy is not the right word, but they're just not caring. They're over it. They're burned out. And they, in fact, even this one, they didn't even write a script for their girls. They were like, oh, right. here's some characters. You make it up. You know, uh-huh. like here the you make the story up. Uh, here are the characters. Here's the most basic thread ever. So I get that there have been a lot of acting challenges, and I do think it comes from a burned out staff and production crew and all that. And they're just like they don't even give a shit to make decent challenges that said 
bitch, we been done you. This, like, here's the deal. I don't, does Kahana sew? Do we know she sews? I don't think so. So, like, what, what, what challenge do you want, Kahana? You don't sew. Maybe, you know, we're going to get someone who's like, so, 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 Kahana is a seamstress and you went to fashion school. I don't know this. I don't know, okay? I don't know. I didn't follow, a, I didn't read Kahana's CV, okay? But it seems like everything she has, she bought, okay? And so, yeah. What what did what did Kahana want the challenges to be? Does she want it to be all balls? I do. No, does she want it to be nothing but <laughs> does she want it to be nothing but look challenges? Like th- which this show has not been that for over ten years. This show has been You're one right. that's heavy on performances. Even if it may not be an acting challenge, but it's heavy on either comedy shows or um uh, roasts or improv challenges, acting challenges, snatch game. Like, this show has really diminished the look part of it because they have looks all the time. So what did she want this show to be? So that's the one well, thing I will think, say is like, well, this is the show you signed up for. Think about what she won for in week one. She, that was that was the group uh, challenges, the group song challenges. And they talked about her dancing. You know, she's a showgirl. She's a Vegas showgirl. So it makes sense that she is going to perform really well. And even last week with the Joan musical, she did really well as far as her dancing and stuff goes. So I think that anything where she can be physical, that is her forte right now, especially with the focus that you have talked about, particularly with, you know, on her body and all of the plastic surgery she's had and being able to show that off and be very sexy. I think that is what Kahana does well. And she, of course, wants wants that to be where that gives her an opportunity to get into the spotlight in a good way by showing off her body and showing how well she moves it. I don't know. It bugged the shit out of me. <laughs> so then they go to the to the to the couches and the people I never understood this method for picking roles. But they're like, I want this and I want that. And then there's always inevitably something where like well, two people want the same role. And um, the, from what I gathered is it started with Lala and Alexis wanted the same role. And then Lala wouldn't back down. So Alexis is like, okay, I'll back down. But I also like the role that Candy wanted. Candy, would you be willing to change? And then there was a sort of bitter back and forth. What was your take on this? Um, before you say well, anything, the reason I'm really asking Taylor is he wrote a book about this called It's My Turn. Uh, by Taylor the Latte Boy DDS. It's available on Amazon Kindle and all that. So, like, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the first time that I watched it, because they show the first 10 minutes, you can get it on YouTube on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, they're, you know, they're they're both in the wrong here. They're both right and they're both wrong mm-hmm. sort of thing. But then watching it a second time, Candy was kind of right. Candy did a really good job of, yeah, yeah, I was very surprised that I sided with Candy on this because I was only sort of half watching it on Wednesday, but I didn't realize that Alexis was so like, oh, do you want it? Can I have this role? Oh, I can't have this role? Then it's okay. But then immediately like tried to manipulate and do the passive aggressive thing. With Candy as far as, well, this role and the DA role are basically the same role, which they were nothing alike. Mm-hmm. And it it was this manipulate, manipulative piece on Alexis that I did not like. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Alexis, we also saw the scene from the mommy dearest of where she pretty much puts her heels in and says she doesn't, you know, this is the part that she wants, which isn't necessarily that's not up for negotiation. But had Alexis not talked to Lala, who did the same thing, and Alexis be okay with it because she's got the big pants for Lala, mm-hmm. oh, that, that's a that. problem for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you made a good point. You kind of sort of, because, you know, my natural inclination is to be anything anti-candy. And I'm still anti-candy. And we'll get to that. Oh, so am I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, because even when I was recapping the story, I was trying to, like, figure out in my head, like, well, how is Candy wrong here? Because I hate her so much. But I was like, <laughs> because Candy was never involved in the conversation. It was like, everybody was fine. And Alexis was debating or arguing or trying to get her way with Lala that didn't work. So then she just went, well, Candy, you have this role and I want that. And like, I was like, that's weird, but still, and let's get to this is then. So Alexis, again, she gives in and she takes the role of the DA or whatever. And she starts crying. Now, Alexis on social media, I don't understand how this works because they have a conversation about this later. But Alexis on social media says she was not crying about that argument. That it was something else that wasn't shown. But that doesn't make any sense because then Candy storms off and is like, well, okay, that's what I want to talk about. This. Then Candy says, I can't with the dramatics. And then she gets up and she dramatically leaves. Well, Candy Muse is very much a do as I say, not as I do kind of kind of gal yeah. so that doesn't surprise me at all and then she goes we're gonna cry because we don't get the role we wanted so which to me uh disproves what alexis is saying like how could it be about anything else candy literally says on camera we're gonna cry because we don't get the role we wanted and so it was like i don't know what alexis is talking what what else could it have been i think well this kind of speaks to my theory that something is going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of. I often say to clients, when we fight with our partners about, you know, leaving the toilet seat up, it's not about the toilet seat. It's about the st- the feelings behind the toilet seat or the, the cabinet doors being open. That's a personal battle in this house or whatever. It's about feelings of disrespect. It's about feelings of anxiety. It's about feelings of sadness. It's about feelings of not being heard. It's it, whatever the reason is. And I think, you know, Alexis at one point says, you all don't understand the pressure we're under. She said it in the confessional. She said something like that. So this just sounds like a situation in which these these girls are at this point. It's been two to three weeks of nonstop taping, you know, probably 12 hours a day. And, you know, that's for some people who aren't used to that. That is a lot for somebody to that is a lot for somebody to take. And it sounds like it's a lot for even more than just Alexis to take. They're all under this pressure at this point. Well, that's why you are the, that's why you are the mental health professional and I am not. All right. Back in the workroom, a a calmer Alexis is now back at work while a frustrated Kahana ruminates over the prospect of performing in another acting challenge. After a beat, Kahana announces she's leaving the competition and starts packing her belongings. (laughs) The cast freaks out as Kahana gathers her things. Later, RuPaul walks into the room and gives the girls a pep talk to get them to finish the competition. This seems to do the trick, and the girls get back to work. Later, Kahana asks Jimbo for acting tips, and Alexis makes an attempt to smooth things over with Candy. 
Let's stop right there and talk about everything that happened in this workroom part two where RuPaul has to come in and, you know, not smash some skulls. What's it called? Break, crack some skulls. What is the phrase? I don't know. Crack, crack some heads. Yeah, I don't know. Crack what some it skulls. Uh, what was your take on everything that happened in this workroom part two? I want to imagine a world in which a production assistant goes to get RuPaul, who's eating lunch in her trailer, and says, the show's imploding. We need you on the set. Well, that, that wouldn't be a production. That would be literally one of the head producers. A production assistant just gets okay. like, go get my coffee. <laughs> well, no, but I but the product, the producers are terrified of her, oh, so I they send in saying. some poor, yeah. you know, intern or something. Send her to the send him or her to the Lions. Um, this is really. This tells me that this conversation is speaking to shit that we're not seeing on the show. Oh, whether really? it's conflict or whether yeah, because if you'll notice at certain points, all of them are crying except for Jessica, mm-hmm. where they all have clearly cried or they are crying on camera, including Candy, because Candy's got the the big wet cheeks and the wet eyes at one point, and. It just sort of like, like when Kahana started packing up her stuff, I was very like, wait, what? Another one's leaving? Mm-hmm. Like, this is crazy. But when you think about it, all of these girls that seem to be having all of this pressure, what seasons were they all in? Oh, I don't. I, uh, they're, they're all later oh, seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh huh. And the one queen that seems to be very like doing well is Jessica, a season two girl. Mm-hmm. So who's I'm wondering if older, this is who's also older, and we'll get to that in a second. Well, yeah. yes, well, older, but I'm also wondering if the if this is a, um, okay, I'm getting ready to say something that I'm going to piss people off, but I wonder if this is a. Jessica has worked really hard over the last twenty years and kind of come up from the clubs and stuff like that. Whereas you've got a group of girls that maybe haven't had to work as hard mm-hmm. because of the acceptance of drag. So now they're being put under significant pressure, and it's getting it's getting to all of them. Mm-hmm. That's probably not a fair thing to say, and I am sure that you know who's getting mad. What, I was what is expecting it? something really awful. Well, not because I, it's basically like there mommy is dearest, a, only um, old people like mommy. Everyone's going to forget about <laughs> mommy dearest once the old people die. Well, and this is something where I, I, I am probably coming off as very ageist right now. But it is, you know, if anybody has a problem with it, they can write to what is it? The best of today. Oh, at yeah, gmail.com? We have an official complaint uh, email line. It's the best of today at gmail.com. And you but guy, by the way, guys. When we read it, we know their complaints. So you can be as nasty and rude and mean as you want in those emails. Yeah. Because we, we are prepared. We're mentally prepared, emotionally prepared for those emails when we read it. It's not like we get it out of the blue. So Loins are girded. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. We, when we open that email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just think that that probably may play a role in it. I also think that there were probably things that Rue said that they were never going to show the audience as far as I'm going to be supportive, but I'm also just shy of like handing you all your contracts and saying, nobody, we let one leave. We're not letting anybody else leave, you know, until I decide that they're going. Um, because it, it just, it's something about it. It felt very choppy the way they were using all of the things that she says. It didn't feel like it was one long you know, one long uh, statement monologue or whatever to try to like bring the girls back together. 
I saw this. What are your thoughts well, on this? I, look, I this morning I read uh, some of the, you know, post-episode discussions on Reddit. Now I just read it for stupidity. No one ever says anything really insightful on these things. So now I'm just really reading it for stupidity. And somebody wrote, and I, I just, again, the 13-year-olds drive me crazy on this thing. Somebody wrote, RuPaul must have not have been on set when Heidi left because she would have done this then. And I was like, you're such a fucking stupid dummy. First of all, Heidi left on a taping day when they were doing the main stage. So RuPaul was in makeup for sure. But two, the thing, yeah. one girl quitting, it, there's a quote from the importance of being earnest. Um, I can't remember what it is, but, you know, it's like, I'm totally bastardizing this. It's like to lose, it's talking about an orphan. To lose one parent is like a misfortune, but to lose both seems like carelessness. And I think it's the same thing here where it's like, um, okay, well, one queen quitting, that's really cool. Two queens quitting, no, now we have a problem. So now RuPaul has to go right. in and fucking just crack some skulls. That's the phrase. And um, <laughs> and it, it and do her thing. But let's ultimately start from the beginning. I think what we're seeing here is Kahana can't take the heat. You know, the more you progress, the more the better you have to be. And Kahana was a girl who this is a very Roxy Andrews who should have been out three weeks ago. And for whatever reason, mm -hmm. she's been carried through three weeks longer than she should have been there. And now the competition is at a level that she shouldn't be there. Again, not to bring things back to Tears of the Kingdom. But you can't help yourself. But there are certain parts. I can't help myself because it's my whole world trying to save Hyrule. There are certain elements of the show without spoilers where you need to have, in theory, you could go to these places on Tears of the Kingdom. But if you don't have the stamina or the hearts, you're just going to die. You're not going to make your, they're not going to let you go through. You're just, there's a part where you have to open a door. Not the drag queen, an actual like door you open and go through. Again, not the drag queen. Uh -huh. um, and <laughs> you have to put this is late in the game. You have to put your um, hands on these on these doors, and in order to open it, you need a lot of hearts. So that's all to uh -huh. prevent people from who don't have the hearts from going through. And it's the same thing here. Kahana doesn't have the stamina and the heart containers to go forward in the competition. So she's she's in the wrong place. But that said, and I have this out, this was, this was supposed to be my last point that I was going to make, but I want to make it now. Ultimately, ultimately, you don't have these kinds of pep talks with actual all-stars. When you have actual all-stars on a show, you don't need to give uh -huh. these kinds of pep, pep talks because they're all-stars, they're pros, they may be having a rough time. They may be able to handle the pressure, but because they're all-stars, they can work it through it. With the B team, they're going to need a lot of hand-holding. They're going to need a lot of soothing because they don't have, ultimately, what it takes to go all the way. And so what we saw right there was a, a tacit admission from RuPaul that I just cast a bunch of people who aren't ready to be here for this. That's a very good point. You said you said that much more eloquently than I did. Yeah. Now I do want to talk about this fucking Candy Muse, who earlier gets up and she's like, "I can't take this drama and the crying because I didn't get a role." And then they cut to a conf confessional where she's looking around and she goes, "Bitch, who died?" Right. And I wanted to cut an audio clip 
Because then this RuPaul walks in. And she is sobbing like someone didn't give her her thakis. Okay? And <laughs> and I wanted to cut in her going, who died? Because, right. bitch, you just made fun of people for crying for over nothing. I'm not even sure why Candy was crying. No, that's what I'm saying is I think things were said that we just were not privy to. You're probably telling me these are not what all-stars do. Now, have you said everything about this RuPaul moment? Uh, I think other than her saying basically to Kahana, like, have fun. Don't throw this opportunity away. And by the way, you're going home. This Like, it was apparent to everybody that this was the week that Kahana was going home. Like, even she could have given a thousand percent and assured of unless she was the winner of the week. She was going home. Um, yeah. So everything said, OK, let's talk about later in the workroom. Kahana now goes to Jimbo and she's like, Jimbo, you're really good at this stuff. How, how do you do it? How, how are you so good at it? What can you give me some tips? And Jimbo gives her, I don't know, what, some bullshitty tips. Did you have any thoughts on this moment, Taylor? It felt like a very genuine moment. Mm-hmm. I thought that Jimbo had a, there was a willingness there for Jimbo to share something. Like Jimbo wants to see her do well. But I think it's also that whole um, Bianca Del Rio helping all of the other queens because she's not intimidated by yeah. anybody. And I think that's where Jimbo is at this point. Jimbo knows that she is the front runner. And that unless there was a major upset, it is not going to be Kahana as the as the uh, winner of All Stars eight. So at this point, she kind of throws her a bone and goes, "Yeah, just do this and and just have fun and enjoy yourself and just like kind of let go." So it was a nice moment. It's a difficult question to answer, and Jimbo answered the best she could because ultimately, it's something you can't teach someone in a one sentence thing before you do. Uh, an improv challenge because ultimately what it is is you the difference between jimbo and kahana is jimbo the reason jimbo is successful at these challenges the reason jimbo is good at this 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 kind of thing is jimbo isn't afraid to act a fool and look silly and look stupid and look foolish right and that's yes. ultimately what the secret is Whereas Kahana, that would be Kahana's all about the beauty and the appearance and her teeth and her ass and her skin. And that's the kind of person who never wants to be shown as foolish or looking foolish or not looking 100% cute and put together. And it reminds me of this. Um, so there's people who don't know, there's this iconic thing and it exists. No one has ever seen it. So in the 70s, Marlon Brando was broke. or the, Yeah, I think it was the 70s. Marlon Brando was broke. So he decided that he was going to do a master class in acting. And it was by uh-huh. invite only. Uh, the acting students and some famous people were invited. So like, I know Edward James almost was there. Robin Williams was there. Uh, acting students were there. And then they filmed it. And the intent was then to sell these videotapes. And the article I read was talking about how it was such chaos, this thing, that they uh-huh. never released the videotapes. They exist and someone owns them. The estate or whoever made this owns these tapes, but they've never been released. But the people who've been there have talked about some of the lessons that they learned from this. And one of them was that when, when the first appearance of Marlon Brando at this thing, he walked in in full drag, went on stage turned around and bent over and mooned the audience with his bare ass. Which was very odd, right? 
<laughs> and he told the audience that the reason he did this was because everything he did was horrific to him and embarrassing. But that if you want to be an actor, you have to be willing to do those things, you know, right. to uh, to make yourself look a fool and do things that you don't make you comfortable. That was the lesson there. And it's the same thing here is you have to be willing to go out there. He's already going. She's already going out in full drag, but to show your ass and not be afraid. And then that's how you sell it. That's how you're funny. That's how you're you're good in these scenes. You have to be willing to give it yeah. all. And that's something you can't teach someone in five minutes. All right, Taylor, we are way overdue for a break. Why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we are going to talk about the rest of the episode. are back and now we're gonna actually talk about the actual challenge the maxi challenge forensic queens which is a sort of true crime send up the the thinking is i think that the plot is very thin it's that um lil pound cake the character that alaska created with um what was her name the other girl oh shit um i don't remember her name some puerto rican girl i want to say jaden dior fierce but i know that's not it uh uh it's puerto rican queen from season five and yeah and um Alaska made this doll for a mini challenge named Lil Pound Cake, and it's come up every down it. And that Lil Pound Cake has been abducted or is missing, and there's all these drag queens who were here for a fictional, unreleased all-star season who could be the culprits. And then it turns out that the security guard, played by Lala Ree, is the actual culprit because she secretly wanted to be a drag queen on the show. Even though I don't know how she, if she'd never been on the show, how would she be on All-Stars? But I guess look at the cast of All-Stars now, it wouldn't be impossible. Um, you're looking for logic yeah. in a in a drag race. La la logic. That's your first mistake. And uh, <laughs> and so the, and in some sort of like sketchy comedy improv thing on like a true crime version of what happened to Little Pound Cake. What was your take on this, Taylor? Did you have any thoughts? Did you have any feelings and opinions? Well. I guess the the few notes that I had was I didn't quite understand why most of them were doing improv by themselves in the interviews. Like there wasn't really – when you look back at it, there's not a ton of interaction between all of the characters. Um, and I am so glad that we had during um, the judges' critiques that somebody called Candy out on playing Candy again. Like she doesn't – go beyond the scope of that voice and she doesn't there's no range there there's absolutely no range at all um i will say this though imagine something like this with last season's all-stars imagine how amazing it would have been with the all-winner season versus what we got i was thinking of doing something like this with Lori, la la Lori. uh <laughs> Because I was like, well, what would she and I do if we were doing the same thing? You know, like whatever happened to, you know, uh, Evan Ayers or something like that. He, he's our version mm-hmm. of Lil Pound Cake. <laughs> and uh, I wonder how that would go. Yeah, especially because, yeah. And, and, on, and honestly, I don't really know the specifics Lori does. Uh, Lori would be, this isn't, I don't know. She might think this is not real improv. This is not real. I don't know what this is. She'll have a name for what it really was. Look, here's the deal from watching it. 
I did, it was, I don't know if you, I timed it a second time. It was a 14 minute, they were really stretching things in this episode. It was a 14 minute uh, bit that should have been seven minutes. Yeah. Uh, Jessica and Jessica, Jessica and Jimbo were clearly the best for me. Well, they weren't clear. They were the uh-huh. best for me, hands down. Lala Ree was good though, and, and I guess if you're looking at it, like we can't give Jimbo another win, we can't. We don't want to give just okay. She's an acceptable win, but I thought Jessica and Jimbo were the best. And um, and I actually thought people were saying that they thought Kahana was good. I didn't think Kahana was good at all. I thought she was clearly the worst. Oh, I thought she was actually pretty. If anything, I thought Alexis was the worst. People said that. I, I, I mean, them. I didn't think she was good, but like. Honestly, I would have, and we can talk about this later, I would have put Candy and Kahana in the bottom. Oh, see, and I would have put Candy and Alexis. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. The point is we all agree that Candy should be there. <laughs> well, okay. Well, we'll talk about when we get to the main stage. Uh, all right. It's Elimination Day, and the girls get ready for the runway. Kahana thanks Jimbo for her help. Candy and Alexis kiss and make up. The girls talk about RuPaul's workroom intervention, and Jessica relishes the fact that the show has given her another chance after the age of 40. Taylor, anything you want to talk about in the elimination day? My concerns were, I was like, oh, this is foreshadowing. Between the Alexis and Candy moment and the Jimbo and Kahana, I thought some one of these girls is sending the other girl home. Mm-hmm. So that, that's not what ended up working out. But um, where And then one of them, they were talking about Rue coming in, made a comment that said, you know, she didn't have to do that. And my thought was, bitch, yes, she did because the show was falling apart. So she needed to do something to save the show. But that's cute. One common theme that I have noticed, particularly this season, is the clear direction of the um, of production of the, we need one of you to say, well, let's all walk over to the couch now. And we need one of you to say, and there, none of these girls are very good at it looking very natural. Like, wow, can you believe RuPaul came in and talked to us today? Yeah, wasn't that amazing? I can't believe that. She didn't have to do that, you know. You're right, she didn't. It, it's A lot of it is, it's very forced. And it takes away from the enjoyment well, of the show. Well, it goes back to my, they're not all stars. They're just not. Right. Um, you know what? I, I had a sort of different, not different take, but I, I saw something. I think I picked up on something. I'm going to phrase it that way. I picked up on something that like Kahana, I think knew she was going home and there seemed to be yeah. a peace about it. She seemed very peaceful knowing she was going home and she seemed to be at peace with that. And it, you could see it even then this this tension and anxiety and like general uncomfortableness about Kahana seemed to have it seemed to have dissipated on that elimination day Mm -hmm. where she was like, it is what it is. And I'm probably going home. And it may have even been a thing where the, that the producers told her like, look, we know you want to go home, just make it through this episode and we'll give you your wish, but just finish this episode for us. That's a good point. That might've happened. Um, Let's, you know, we were supposed to talk about this last week and then Jessica brought it up again and I ran out of time. I didn't bring it up and we kind of did lip service to it last week. But but um, Jessica brought it up again this week, so that's relevant, about life in your 40s. And there seems to be a belief among drag queens specifically and gay men that it used to be, it, I feel like this is a case not in a good way, that 40 is the new 30. But I remember a long time ago, gay men just really turning 30 was like the worst thing to happen to them. 
and like right. they would be really depressed. And I'm like, no, that's the greatest thing that happened to you is to turn 30, right? And I'm going to say this as I start to see my the 40s in my uh, sunsetting for me. Uh-huh. The 40s were just as good as the 30s. I mean, the only difference might be that I had more stomach problems, you know? Yeah. But um, the 40s, when you are a gay person, and it could be a lesbian or whatever, and anybody, you know, it can be straight. For people who don't have children, um, yes. it's a different experience, and it's a very rewarding experience, and it's amazing. And so that Jessica's having this talk, but she comes from a world of drag queens where to them, because this is something where they would, Chad Michaels was 42 on her season. They were acting like she was Grandma Moses, you know? Uh-huh. By the way, no one would ever dare, you know, RuPaul's like in her 60s and no one says shit. But, um, right. But they, and so like Jessica having to address this, but did you want to talk? I know we talked about this a little bit, but did you want to talk about life in your 40s or what it's like? We have a lot of young listeners. Uh, um, uh, are you sad that once we, you and I die, that all old movies and anything pre 1993 uh, will vanish yeah. into thin air? No one will watch Xanadu again. No one will watch Mommy Dearest again. It's it's horrible. When? Anyway, would you want to talk about life in your 40s? Um, I, I turned 50 this year, and my 40s were amazing. Everything you said is true. There is a freedom that comes with your in your 30s in which you have a lot of you know you have a lot more experience under your belt and in your 40s you have even more experience and you also don't give a fuck anymore it's not like where you don't necessarily worry what people will think you don't necessarily you know it it's you you don't feel the need to have to be in the middle of everything because you're afraid you're going to miss something the the, the fomo sort of goes away at your 40s because you're doing your own thing. And the only issue was that I definitely had more health issues in my 40s than I did in my 30s or my 20s. But that also is attributed to how well you took care of yourself in the years before, you know, plus some genetics as well. But I loved my 40s. I'm looking forward to my 50s. I think my 50s could be could be just as great. Uh, I I've loved the 40s. Um, but yeah, the four, for those of you listening, if you're gay, oh my gosh, I just dropped the pen. Um, <laughs> Jessica, what Jessica's talking about, like, she's like, I'm so grateful to be in my forties and, ooh, and do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, I, I guess there is a perception in, in drag queen land that like, oh, you have to be young and stuff like that. I will say this. I will say this. When you do hit your 40s, mm-hmm. you see like someone like George's do a, de- a, a death drop and you're like, oh, and you're like. <laughs> yeah it's is, is she gonna jump from there yeah it's 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 very much that but i think that unfortunately part of the reason for that is this show is as we have seen when you think when you look at the ages of the majority of the queens in the first couple of seasons it was nothing to have multiple queens in their 30s or late 20s now we've got queens that are like you know, I mean, what is it? Crystal Versace was like 18 and she won the crown. So it's it's the we're seeing the numbers. So that is becoming the standard for drag is that you have to be one of these young girls that can do all of these shablams and death drops and duck walks and all this kind of stuff. And it's leaving it's leaving a huge part of drag culture behind. That really shouldn't be. It should be revered. Somebody like Jessica, who's been doing drag for 20 years, 
or Chad Michaels or one of these other girls should be that should be respected. Yeah. Whether or not you like their drag, they have kept with it for 20 something years. I just looked it up and Candy Ho is 35. They have to do a thing. They bring her on the same season as this um, Lux Noir London. And Lux, who knows her drag history, should be like, how old are you? Because I think I yeah. think even her, Tempest du Jour was only in her like maybe mid forties, right or early forties. No, she. I remember she was like fifty one. Oh, when she was on, she was like fifty one. Oh, yeah. Okay. How old yeah. are you? And you're like, oh, okay. Well, we're doing that, huh? Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, now it's time to talk about Taylor's favorite part. The looks category is Miss Fill in the Blank. Taylor, why don't you go ahead and tell us all your thoughts on the looks? Um. I thought I can go through these really quickly. I thought Jessica Jessica's was okay. Mm -hmm. She was doing Miss um, Sausage Party. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised, though they did do it later. I wrote down, nobody said you're a wiener baby. Well, just okay. They did. Okay. Jessica was doing that joke, but because of her accent, wiener and winner sounded exactly the same. Okay. All right. I thought Kahana's was beautiful. I thought it was a beautiful dress. And she, I mean, Kahana always looked beautiful coming down the runway. Um, Lala's was funny. I thought it was a funny, campy look. I was surprised, though, when she was saying, with, with them talking about her being Miss, was it Miss Bootlegger? Was that it? That that I was waiting for a, what'd she call me? And they never did that. Oh, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. They went with a, um, uh, I don't even know her joke, which is another one of their go-to. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, Candy looked ridiculous. Mm-hmm, of course. Candy looked like a linebacker. Yeah. Um, Alexis, I thought this was a really funny look from Alexis. I thought this was a really great look from Alexis. She looked pretty, but that is like high camp drag yeah. at that point. Where, I mean, and the fact that the, the top of the dress was a jock strap and that it was, you know, piss soaked at the bottom and everything about it was just very, very not what we expect from Alexis. And I loved it. I thought it was, I, it possibly was my favorite look of oh, the look night. Oh, you. Um, and, and Jimbo, I just wrote, oh, wow, tits. Like, okay, great. We got it. You, you, you have lots of, you have lots of tit bits. When I signed on today, Taylor said that when the camera turned on. <laughs> He went, oh, wow, tits. And I was like, that's really Oh, mean. wow, tits. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on the looks? <laughs> so. No, no, that was it. All right, very good. On the main stage, Alexis and Kahana are in the bottom, while Lala Ree is named the top all-star of the week. As the top all-star, Lala Ree is forced to duke it out against this week's lip-sync assassin, Georges, who I believe is from season 14. The song... About Damn Time by Lizzo. In the end, Lala Ree was named the winner and revealed that she had decided to send home Kahana Montrese. Taylor the Latte Boy, any final thoughts on the episode? No, I think that this was a this was probably one of the better episodes just because there was actual drama. But once the drama was over, it kind of it sort of petered out. Mm-hmm. Um look, here's the thing is I just want to say one thing. The judging, and this is continuing a trend that we've seen on this show, makes absolutely zero sense. Um, Now, personally for me, Candy and Kahana were the worst. That's my thing, but I'm not a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. 
But if you were to listen to the judges and believe the edit and everything that you're seeing there, Kahana got fair, safe type critiques. And Candy got terrible critiques. They essentially were, we don't like your outfit. And you were terrible in the challenge. You were just doing Candy Muse. Um, Kahana was praised mostly and on both fronts, on the challenge and on the look. Kahana, you're in the bottom. Candy, you're safe. Which again goes to me, which was they just made a promise to Kahana. Like, you can go home. We'll, we'll just, just finish the episode for us. And that's probably why we saw her at peace. She knew she just had to play it out and go through with it. And have one last hurrah. That's my take on it. Because... How are you saying you were good and they were saying it in a way that they knew she was going home? So they were like, oh, you were wonderful. Nice to see you grow and go to Oba. That's the, that's the shit that they say when the, it's like the final three, you know, with nothing but praise. Yeah. So that's sort of my mm-hmm. take on that. Do you have any other thoughts before we call it a day, Taylor? Well, kind of to speak on what you're talking about, she, Rue at one point comments to Candy, you know, you're kind of just doing the same. You're doing Candy which wasn't what the role called for. But I love Candy, so that's fine. You know, if anybody else had done that, they would have got red to filth. Yeah, and and but that also feeds into Candy's keep doing it, because she's like, well, RuPaul lacks it, which she's not wrong. RuPaul just openly said, you know, and she's the lead judge, that I like it. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep on keeping on. Yeah. Anything else? Nah. Well, invariably, I always, as soon as we publish this episode, I'm like, oh, why didn't I say this? Or why didn't I say that? Or I read something online or something happened. So I'm going to make a plug right now for the show, especially after all the shit I just talked on my co-host on Rulaska Thoughts. It's going to be a Rulaska <laughs> Thoughts you're not going to want to miss. It comes out Wednesday morning, I believe. Yes, in your feed, uh, either free or on Patreon. Uh, so make sure and check out Rulaska Thoughts. I think this week's going to be a really good one, especially with all the shit that I just talked. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Be sure to join us next week and every week as we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each brand new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 8. So for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself, sashay away until next week. Thank you for listening to Drag Race Recap. Have something to say? Leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash afterthoughtmedia. You can also email us at dragracerecap at afterthought.media. For more drag race and LGBTQ content, support us over at patreon.com slash afterthoughtmedia. You can also watch video versions of the show and more over at youtube.com slash dragracerecap. This podcast was produced by Luke Stamen. Taylor the Latte Boy has another podcast. It's called Pod is My Co-Pilot, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow Taylor on Instagram at PIMC Taylor. Follow Joe Batance on Instagram and TikTok at Joe Batance. Special thanks to these expensive tier Patreon supporters. Alex S. Anonymous. April Pacheco. Astute Girl. Brad Coley. Carter McKinnon. Corinna Williamson. Doofus Maximus. E. Smith. Elizabeth Timmer. Emma. Humble Pie, J. Thomas Plank, Jesse Harris, Kathy Zender, Lauren Eckert, Lucy Carrasco, Luke Stamen, Mike Yeager, Nikki Baker, Poppy Woods, Ricardo Herrera, Robert NYC, Robin Eganberger, Runner Brandon, Sarah Yu, Tom Bombs, Travi Cosmos, 
Troy Anderson, Zach Nelson. Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media podcast.